Once more, I want to say to all of you this night, Merry, Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. It is so good to be with you here this night and to be able to celebrate in the ways that we are. Thank you for coming and taking time to be with us here in this place. Some of you, as I have the opportunity to look out, are with us on a regular basis, and we see you most weeks or many weeks here at First Church, and to all of you, I would say welcome again here this evening. But also, as I look out tonight, I certainly see some that this tonight would be your first experience of First Church or your first Christmas Eve here at First Church. And to all of you, I also say welcome, but I will admit to you, I hope that we make a good first impression upon you as, I get, as we gather here tonight, because we hope that we'll get a chance to see you again at some point in the future. First impressions can be rather funny things. You know what they say, you only get one chance to make a first impression. You can tell a lot about a person or a group or a restaurant or a book by its first impressions. If the book is not very good after chapter one, it's doubtful you're going to continue to read the book. If date number one does not go very well, it's doubtful you will get to dates two, three, or four, or anything beyond that. Some of you I've shared with in the past that it's good that my wife and I are still married today because honestly, we did not have the best first impression of each other looking back on how we ended up meeting together. The reality is I was a country boy, but I was also a proctor in one of Jen's college classes. I did not know her at the time, and I may or may not have given her one of the lowest grades she ever received in one of her college courses. I will leave that up to your imagination to decide if that's true. Uh, but she thought that I was rather nerdy and a kiss up to the teacher. So in short, uh, I was not her type. Now, for me, when I looked at Jen, what I saw was a city girl. Uh, she was kind of aloof in some ways, kind of an alternative kind of girl. And I thought she cared more about doing her thing than paying attention to her education. So in short, she wasn't really my type either. But thankfully, we were able to get past those first impressions, and now we are happily married. We have three great kids. I think Jen is wonderful, and she doesn't seem to think I'm too bad, so it all works, and I am grateful for that. But make no mistake, first impressions really are important. I mention all of that to us here tonight because tonight we are given another first impression. We are given our first impression of God among us. And surprise, what a first impression it is. Tonight we are told the very, very first story of Jesus as he comes to this earth. And in this opening scene, Luke tells us that Jesus is born in a stable of all places, a real stable, not the bright, airy, classical version that we often see in famous paintings, but a real stable filled with dirt and animals and manure and smells. And most likely this stable in this very poor part of the world, it would have only had four rough walls, a dirt floor, and a roof made of mud, beams, and straw. In the winter, it would have been incredibly cold, and in the summer, it would have been stifling. Oh, and it would have reeked of the manure and animal urine. <laughs> this is where Jesus begins his earthly life? According to Luke, yes. 
It's just about the filthiest place that one could imagine. Luke says it this way in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Do we really hear that? <laughs> As if a stable were not enough, Jesus is born and placed in a manger. Do you know what a manger is? It's like dinnerware for animals, but without the silverware that you and I use. So the cows would be eating over the manger, chewing, slobbering. And as they ate, food would have fallen out of their mouth with saliva and spit into the manger. Not exactly a pleasant thought. In fact, it's rather disgusting if you really think about it. To put that in perspective, in my own household with our three teenagers, they get grossed out when they have to wash the dishes that we as humans have eaten on. This is even worse. This is our first impression of Jesus here tonight. Jesus born and laid in a manger. It's enough to make us wonder, is this a mistake? Is this for real? When I think of God, I think of big and mighty and powerful. I think of majestic. I think of thunderbolts. I think of lightning. I think of folks coming and bowing down out of reverence and fear in front of God. I think of royal halls and majesty in every way. I think of gold and splendor. Not a dirty manger in a rickety stable in the middle of nowhere. But make no mistake, Luke is a master storyteller. He's a master of detail, and he tells us tonight nothing by chance. And what Luke shares with us in this first impression in Luke chapter 2 are some incredible surprises for us to grab onto, to experience the full thrill of hope. One of the first surprises is this. We can receive the full thrill of hope found in Christ because Jesus gets into our mess, literally comes and gets into our mess. He joins us in our deepest, darkest, dirtiest places, and he brings forth life and hope in those places. Other religions portray God from a distance, aloof, far from the trials and dirt of humanity, but not this God. This God tonight comes and gets up close and personal right into our space, right into our dirtiest places. It's almost beyond our comprehension. The author Philip Yancey once summarized a story by J.V. Philip this way. He says, in the story, a senior angel is showing a very young angel around the splendors of the universe. They view the whirling galaxies and blazing suns and they, as they flit across the universe in the distance of space until they land at one particular galaxy of 500 billion stars. As the two angels draw near, the star which we call our sun and the planet circling around it, the senior angel pointed to a small, rather insignificant sphere turning slowly on its axis. It looked as dull and dirty as a tennis ball to the younger angel, whose mind was filled with the size and the beauty and the glory of the rest of the universe that he was used to. I want you to watch that one particularly, said the senior angel. Well, it looks very dull and dirty to me, said the younger one. What's so special about that ball? To the little angel, that ball didn't seem so impressive. He then listened in stunned disbelief as the senior angel told him that this planet, as small and insignificant and not overly clean as it was, was the renowned visited planet. Do you mean, said the younger angel, 
that our great and glorious prince went down in person to this fifth-rate little ball? Why in the world would he do such a thing? And with that, he wrinkled his face in disgust. Do you mean to tell me, he said, he stooped so low as to become one of those creeping, crawling creatures on that floating ball? I do, said the senior angel, and I don't think he would like you calling them creeping, crawling creatures in that tone of voice. For strange as it may sound to us, he loves them. He went down to visit them and to lift them up to become like him. The younger angel stared in disbelief, stunned. Such a thought was almost beyond his comprehension. And maybe when we come and really think about it here tonight, maybe it's almost beyond our comprehension as well. And yet this is the touchstone of our faith. One night in the cold, in the dark, in the wrinkled hills of Bethlehem, God who knew no before or after entered into time and space. God who knew no boundaries took the shocking confines of a baby's skin and put on the restraints of reality. Surprise. This God loves us so much, he comes into our darkest, dirtiest places just so that we can become more like him so that we can experience the full thrill of hope. Some first impression. That's not all. Tonight, Jesus surprises us by also revealing to us that his love, his presence, his hope, they are real. Have you noticed what we tend to do at Christmas? We so often make it a fairy tale. We conjure up wonderful pictures in our mind of snow gently falling and perfect sleigh rides and jingle bells and nostalgia, winter wonderlands, children laughing and sitting at the feet of grandma and grandpa, listening carefully, eating fruitcakes freshly baked in the oven, all sitting by the Yule logs that are burning. I mean, really, who in their right mind really actually even likes fruitcakes? And do you even know what a Yule log is? I didn't. I'd actually look it up. They are specially selected logs burnt on a hearth at the Christ, as a Christmas tradition in a number of European countries. I didn't know that. In other words, in our hands, Christmas becomes a dream and an escape. It becomes a Hallmark movie. It becomes a wishful fantasy land to be enjoyed for just a couple days, maybe a week or two. But then Jesus comes tonight, and in his very first impression, he says, No, me, here, in this place, I'm real. And I'm not just fleeting. I'm not only here for a short time. I am reality. Sometimes we forget that the world that Jesus came into is so much like the one that our own headlines tell us about every day. Jesus was born into a world where innocent children were massacred, where political intrigue abounded, where deceit and fear and lies were all too common. Even Mary and Joseph had to flee for their own lives as political refugees in a very unwelcoming world. Yet even here, especially here, Jesus comes. See, Christmas is real. It is Jesus shining light into our darkness, into the very real circumstances of our lives, no matter what those circumstances are. Here's how Luke describes it tonight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Do you hear all the tangible things and signs going on? A baby actually born, angels actually appearing, a manger, cloths, songs that are being sung and can be heard, ordinary shepherds, it's all so real. In his very first impression tonight, Jesus reminds us that love will win, that the ways of this world eventually will pass away, and that death's own days are numbered. Jesus reminds us that joy will eventually reign, and this hope is not fleeting. It is not an abstract concept. No, in this tangible baby Jesus, we experience the full thrill of hope, and it's as real as it gets, as he's born among us. And finally, we experience the full thrill of hope because in this first impression, Jesus leaves nobody unchanged that he encounters. When you encounter this Jesus up close, personal, you cannot help but be changed and see the world differently. You cannot help but share the hope that you yourself have now received. Again, listen to how Luke shares it tonight. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Do you hear the impression that Jesus has on all of these different folks? Can you just imagine Joseph standing there, taking it all in, probably humbled to be a part of it all, maybe even left speechless? We're literally told that Mary takes Jesus, and she's looking at him, and she's pondering, and she's treasuring these most sacred moments. And the shepherds, what do they do? After encountering Jesus, this tangible hope, they go spreading the word to all that they can find, glorifying God as they go and share the good news with all that they meet because they've received hope and now they're turning around and sharing hope in the world in which they live. Can we hear that tonight? See, none of the circumstances changed for the shepherds or Mary or Joseph, but at the same time, everything changed because their hope was no longer based on circumstances defining them. Rather, it is a newfound hope defining the circumstances around them. What could that look like for us this Christmas? How could we learn to see the world through the lens of hope found here tonight as defined in this Christ child, the one born in the manger among us, the one who meets us in our mess but is more real than anything else we could imagine. How can we learn to go forth with this perspective of this particular child born here tonight? If we could learn to see the world as this child comes tonight, would it not change everything? Would it not let us share in the same hope as the shepherds, no matter what our circumstances? And not just tonight, but next week when everybody goes home and next week when we're back at work and when all the presents are unwrapped and there's no more to open and eventually even in January when the bills start rolling in? How can we live in the fullness of hope then? 
I don't do this too often, but tonight I want to conclude this time together with you by sharing a Christmas commercial that I happened to come across. Now, it was made for a hardware store, <laughs> of all things, and it comes to us from Wales, of all places. Now, as you watch the commercial, I want you to notice the power and the hope that comes from the perspective of a child and how that changes everything. The circumstances don't change, but the perspective changes everything going on. It's about a two-year-old going through a normal day managing the hardware store. Now that commercial says, be a kid this Christmas. But I would say, take the perspective of a kid or a child this Christmas, specifically the Christ child that we gather in the presence of here tonight. For when we do that, we can go through all of our normal circumstances, and yet they all look different when viewed and experienced through the hope of the Christ child born among us this night. Because it's no fairy tale. It means we can have a different perspective even when we wake up in the morning, even when we're eating breakfast, even when January comes, even when moments of darkness arrive in our lives. Even then, with this perspective of this child, we can experience the full thrill of hope. Some first impression this Christ child makes. May we embrace him in all of his glory here this night, that we too can experience the full thrill of hope. Amen. And Merry Christmas.